Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola from clevergirlfinance.com. So on today's episode, my guest is here to share with us exactly how she went from living paycheck to paycheck to now building a successful full-time business. Her name is Stephanie O'Connell, and Stephanie is a nationally recognized millennial money expert and the author of the book, The Broke and Beautiful Life. She has also appeared on CBS News, Fox and Friends, ABC World News, and The Dr. Oz Show, and her work has been featured in The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, Glamour, Success Magazine, Oprah Magazine, and in several other media outlets. She's all about helping millennial women develop rich habits and feel as confident with their money as they do in all the other areas of their life. So on this episode of the podcast, Stephanie shares how she found herself broke and living paycheck to paycheck in New York City and how an expensive visit to the dentist's office was the awakening for her to turn her financial situation around. She talks about pursuing her passion as an actress and having the experience of a lifetime but being limited by the financial instability of not earning enough money and how she turned that limitation into an outlet to achieve financial success by deciding to start really paying attention to her finances and the type of life that she wanted for herself and taking a new approach to get there. She's now transitioned into a full-time business owner with stephanieoconnell.com and she shares exactly how she went from acting to finance. Some other things we talked about on this episode include business budgeting and diversifying your income. I had such a great time recording this episode with Stephanie as you'll hear from how much we were laughing. I feel like money is such a serious topic that sometimes you just have to laugh about it. So I hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. But before we jump into the episode, I would love for you to subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Stitcher. And you can also listen to episodes on YouTube on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel and subscribe there as well. I also have actual videos of me talking about money topics, so check those out too. And I would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you guys can head over to iTunes and leave a review of this podcast if you've loved listening to it and also tell your friends about it. And finally, stop by my website at clevergirlfinance.com, subscribe there as well and get access to my resource library. I have a ton of really awesome tools, worksheets, checklists, budgeting tools to help you as you work on improving your finances. And you'll also get access to the Clever Girl Finance Facebook group. Okay, so let's get into today's episode with Stephanie O'Connell. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, Bola. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm okay. (laughs) Well, welcome to the podcast. I'm excited that we um, are getting the chance to talk. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So before we dive into talking about your amazing personal story, I'd love for you to tell the listeners who you are and what you do. Uh, my name is Stephanie O'Connell, and I write over at stephanieoconnell.com, which is a destination for specifically millennial women who want to feel as confident with their money as they do in the rest of their lives. That's awesome. And I love your writing. I'm a huge fan. And you're also an author. Don't leave that out. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I wrote a book, The Broke and Beautiful Life. It's funny because it was only like three years ago that it came out. But in in entrepreneurship years, it just feels like a lifetime ago. It was so. like 17 years ago. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> so as part of your personal story, and you talk about it in your book, you share what it was like to be broke, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I want you to tell me and folks listening more about that and also share share what what it was that was your enough is enough moment when you got to that place where you're like okay I recognize I'm broke and I'm sick of it and I want to change it yeah so I think it's really important first to realize that like I, I think broke is different from being 
in poverty or poor. I was never, you know, in poverty or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, I'm I, I'm very lucky to have, you know, gone to school, have grown up with a lot of privilege and all of that. But what happened was, you know, when I when I got out on my own, <laughs> you know, that kind of like millennial quarter life crisis of my goodness, life is expensive. Toilet paper is $30 and I make $15 an hour. So I, it was more of I'm living in New York City. I am waiting tables. I'm acting as a personal assistant. I'm doing like all these kinds of odd jobs. And it's just so difficult to make ends meet. And I couldn't really get past that paycheck to paycheck cycle. And so um, in terms of what my enough is enough moment was, it was when I was uh, I was having this horrible tooth pain. And I, I went to a dentist and they're like, oh, you need to have this tooth extracted and then you need to get a dental implant. And they're like, that'll be $1,800. <laughs> and I just, <laughs> I just started crying right there, right in the dentist chair. And I just felt like, oh my gosh, that is an insane amount of money that I don't have. And even if I did have it, like that is not how I envisioned spending $1,800. You know, how many hours of and shifts would I have to work to earn that amount of money? And so I was just like handing over my credit card because I couldn't pay for it any other way. I'm crying. I'm embarrassed. I feel vulnerable. And I'm like, I never want to feel this way ever again. And I was just (laughs) like, okay, so what do I need to do? And that's what really was the incentive for me to start reading and learning about personal finance. And it's crazy because the, the biggest transition at that point wasn't that I did anything crazy. It was just that I really started paying attention to my money and Mm -hmm. just, you know, just tracking it and and learning about it. And that simple shift really made all the difference. And I, that's all really, you know, it's really important to get into that point where you, you recognize that, okay, I need to make changes and start to think about what changes you want to make. And I had heard you speak, Stephanie, I think it was early last year, maybe the year before mm-hmm. at the um, Road Financial Wellness event with Jason. Yeah. And you had shared your story, which I thought was in maybe... It was, it sounded fun to me, (laughs) (laughs) but maybe while you were living it, it wasn't, but I wanted you to talk about that a little bit because you had talked about leaving the States to travel to Asia to join a musical. Yeah. 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 So one of the reasons I was working all of these uh, odd jobs, you know, waiting tables, personal assisting, all that was because I was also pursuing acting full time. So when I was in between acting jobs, I would do all these side gigs in New York because I wouldn't, you don't, you don't get paid for weeks. You're not working. So you're auditioning, but then you like audition from 7am to like 3pm. And then you go work at a restaurant from like 5pm to 1am. Um, and that was, that was exhausting. But when I was acting, when I I was actually doing shows. It was a lot of fun. It was a really good time. That said, I didn't really make enough money on the shows either. You know, I'd make like $400 a week. Um, I would get job offers even for less, like $250 a week. And I'm like, well, that's completely unsustainable. And I would find ways to make it work. Like I would sublet out my apartment while I was away. So I didn't have to pay for rent. Like I got really, really creative in ways to not pay for things or to save money. Or I would even try to side hustle on my days off when I was on tour. 
Um, so like I would, I was like on tour around the United States with a show and like on my one day off, I found a babysitting gig in Seattle. So like, <laughs> it's just like, I was ne- always on the lookout for a way to hustle, save or hustle. Um, but like we said, like I got a chance to do some really cool things in the process. Like I got a chance to tour the United States. I got a chance to work on a cruise ship as a singer. I got a chance to, um, tour Asia. Uh, I got to go to Egypt with a show. So yeah, I, the, the price of that was, I didn't make a lot of money. It was really difficult financially. Um, that said, I, w- I wouldn't trade that time for anything. It was just that it was a matter of unsustainability. It wasn't a lifestyle I could continue yeah. to operate in, even as a successful, like our quote unquote successful actor and that I was actually working. And um, one of the things I shared in, in that talk you mentioned was that this this uh, this financial you know limitation really was limiting important things like um, for example when I was in Asia my grandfather died and mm-hmm. I did not have the money to fly back and forth for the funeral um, and when I was on a cruise ship I was dealing with uh, harassment from other people on board and I felt like a, like I, I couldn't leave because I needed the money. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so like my dentist chair story is one example of a breaking point, but like I have a lot of those mini breaking points. Like I, and I think anybody who's struggled with money probably does. They're like, you know, I don't want to feel this way ever again, but then we wind up kind of feeling this way in, in a different way over and over again. So like I've had a lot of those little moments and, and I think, you know, once I had enough of them, it was like, okay, what can I do about it instead of being like, okay, I, here's another moment and it sucks and I'm sad and upset and and then kind of channeling that frustration into being proactive. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you, you talked about not, you know, the experiences you had and how amazing they were and how you wouldn't trade it for anything. And I'm also glad that you talked about the fact that you got to a point where you felt like it wasn't sustainable. So it came down to the dollars and cents, but it doesn't make the experience that you have any less valuable. And, you know, uh, one thing that I I encounter a lot is that people want to live a certain type of life. They want to travel the world. They want to be able to do X, Y, Z. And some people start out doing it like you, right? You started out pursuing your dream of becoming an amazing actress, touring Europe or touring Asia, you know, traveling all over America. But then you got to a point where your dreams are getting more difficult and difficult to stay a reality because of the finances, right? And I think a lot of people get to that point and then they start to feel like, well, woe is me. It's not meant to be for me. Like, you know, my life just sucks when it's really just a matter of getting to the point that you recognize it and you figure out what needs to change so that you can continue. You can get past that phase and continue living that life you want to have. Absolutely. And I think uh, one of the the parts of the kind of pursue your passion narrative that is maybe detrimental or harmful is this idea that it's kind of all or nothing. And yes. that if you stop doing this, then you're a failure. And I don't I, I don't think that's true. I think that what I do now is like what I used to do, except now I get paid a lot of money to do it. Right. So like, <laughs> well, I, that's I, the goal. <laughs> yeah, Like I, I go around the country and I give talks, except like what I used to make in a month, I can make in a day, you know? <laughs> and, and, but that is an opportunity I never knew existed. I, and I didn't know it was available to me until I really like took 
a chance to explore something new. And I think everyone needs to understand that it's not black and white. It's not all or nothing. And, and there is room to, to have this, you know, this, this travel and this life that you love and, and financial sustainability and stability. And maybe it just requires that you take a new approach and, and shift away from what you're currently doing to try to find something else that maybe works better. Exactly. A new approach. And it's, you know, a lot of times as financial educators or people who talk about finance, some people may take our words and make it seem like, well, are you trying to say I can't have this? I can't do that because I'm in debt because I'm trying to save. And the answer is that's not what we're trying to say. We're trying to say take a new approach. So maybe you're going to have to readjust your timelines, right? Maybe you're going to have to slow down on how quickly you pursue that dream until you get your finances in order. And it's not that you can't go ahead and pursue your dreams. You can do whatever you want. But the truth is that when your finances are in order and you have money coming in and you have money in the bank, then you have so many more options. Like you could have told your cruise ship employee to go to hell. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You could have come home for your, you know, your granddad's funeral. And that's just you know, money gives you options. And that just goes back to, you know, I talk about my story a lot growing up, like, you know, when people ask me, where did I learn about money? And it started with um, just watching my mom and my audience has heard this story so many times, I'll just summarize it. But it was, you know, my mom got to a point where she started seeing women that she knew friends of hers not have any options because their husbands controlled all the money. And they were not involved in finances or and they would get divorced or their husbands would pass away. And they just would be in a tight spot because they had nowhere else to go. They had they would be starting from from like scratch again. And so having money, you know, having a plan to build wealth, having savings, working to pay off your debt is, you know, it may seem like it's delaying your dream right now, but it's only setting you up to make sure that when you start living that dream, that you are truly able to enjoy the entire experience and not have to be worrying in the back of your head. Oh, my God, I can't pay my rent next week. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So, Stephanie, you are fast forward now. OK, so we're back. <laughs> we're back in the dentist chair. We see that eighteen hundred dollar bill and you've yeah. broken down. You've cried. Then you've gone home. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and at this point, you realize, that OK, this is not sustainable. I need to change the way I'm doing things. Yeah. What was the first specific thing you did? I started tracking every penny I spent uh, and I still do that. And I know that's not for everyone, but for me, I am someone who was really good at school. I did really good with structure. I did really good with like, you do this, you get this. And coming into the real world, specifically pursuing a career in the arts, uh, I just felt completely out of control of everything in my life, uh, money included. And just the act of writing where writing down where my money was going and just seeing it on paper, even though it didn't really change anything, it gave me a sense of control and empowerment and, and choice. Like, even though I didn't have a lot of money, I could see how it was my choice, how I was designating it, how I was spending it, how I was saving it or not saving it, et cetera. And so that kind of catalyst that well, that, that kind of action served as a catalyst for wanting to, figure out how to, how to do better with it. Once I saw, okay, here's where my money's at. Okay. What can I change to, to take the next step and be better? That's, and that's a very important step. And there's just something about seeing what you've done or what you intend to do in your own handwriting. 
Mm. There's something about it. I don't know. I know psychologists have all these studies on it, but like my basic knowledge (laughs) from my experience, there's definitely something about it. And I think that tracking, especially in the early days of getting your finances in order, tracking every penny you spend is not a bad idea at all. It'll actually keep you more conscious of where your money is going, of what's happening with your finances. And I think that in certain instances, that's something that has to be done. Yes, it may seem like a lot, but if you gather all your receipts when you're out spending at the end of the night, you have to write this down in a spending journal and see what you've done. You're going to get to a space where you're checking yourself and being like, okay, did I really spend $19 at Starbucks today knowing that that could have gone to my, gone to my debt, knowing that we have free coffee in the office? And you're going to have to take your pen and write it down in your handwriting. And when you start to do that, track every penny, over time, you'll find yourself not wanting, you won't be, you won't be interested in spending because you, you don't want to deal with the chore of going home to write down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What yeah. Catching said. up after a week of forgetting to write down your expenses <laughs> is not fun. <laughs> so annoying. <laughs> but I do the same thing. I track, even now, I track every penny I spend and yeah. I put it all into Excel. I don't write it down, but I do too. I, my, I have <laughs> spreadsheets for every year for like the last 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I save everything. But then recently I went to an event and I got this little calendar notebook and it, for the longest time, I was like, what am I going to do with this notebook? And I was like, wait, I can write down how much I, how much I spent, how much I oh. saved and how much I invested. So it's like a calendar, like every day of the month for 2018. Oh, and I've gotten funny. all these really colorful pens and I'm writing down every day I save something, I write it down. Every day I spend something, I write it down. And every day I, every day that I invest something, I write it down. So I'll be able to look back and say, oh my God, there's so much more blue and pink than red because <laughs> red <laughs> is for the spending <laughs> right I love that you know what's funny I was looking through one of my spreadsheets I think I was like trying to look up a random receipt I had found and I was trying to place it where in my spreadsheet a year later it was supposed to go and I was going through it and I was like oh my goodness I, now that I see everything I spent on every day like I can place myself what I was doing that day I, it's like a memory it's like a happy memory to like go back through my year and think about the things I did and what I accomplished and and the experiences I had and it's so funny because it's literally just a ledger of my spending um, you know to help me be more mindful but it's actually a really positive thing. And, and yeah. actually one of my readers had a similar experience. She, she actually had what you were saying with, with your um, investments, how you're writing down, like what you're saving or investing. Uh, she says that when she looks at her uh, Roth IRA balance, she thinks of it as like a happy memory of the things that she has done in her past to set herself up for today and for her future. Like she looks back on it with pride and it's like this, this financial management is a source of, you know, not just practical use, but like confidence and empowerment and like happy memories. It's so funny. I love that. And what she's saying is so true because you're never going to look at your bank bank account and be like, I regret saving all this money. You like look back on that day and you, you see, oh my gosh, I saved a hundred dollars. It's like you went on a trip and brought back a, brought back a memento. You know, it's like (laughs) I have a hundred dollars from this day. I love that. So if you're thinking about it, just go ahead. For those of you listening, go ahead and get a notebook, you know, 
write things down in your handwriting and make it fun. Get colorful pens, get some fun stickers, make it this thing that you can look back on a year from now, five years from now and be like, oh my God, I'm so proud of the fact that I was able to pay down this much debt. I was able to save this much money. And just seeing those colors, seeing those happy stickers will make you, I mean, it sounds silly, but really I do stuff like this. That's why I can say it out loud. (laughs) (laughs) But really, you'll be proud of yourself. You no, I'm will. thinking I need to get some stickers the next time I drive by a dollar store. <laughs> okay. So Stephanie, I know that during the process of, you know, you started tracking all of your spending, you started thinking about ways to make more money, etc. But there had to be days where you just felt like, oh my God, I can't deal with this anymore. How did you stay motivated? Oh yeah, that's tough. Okay, so what really helped me was getting really specific about what my goals were. So, um, for example, if I was saving for something specific, like I wasn't going to, if I, if I wanted to do something fun, I wasn't going to put it on a credit card. I would have to save for it. Right. So I would print out a picture of what I was saving for. Let's say it was, you know, a trip to, or like a girlfriend's wedding or something like that. So I would, look up an image that reminded me of the goal and I would print it out. And then I would take that image and I would put it in my wallet wrapped around my credit cards and my cash so that every time I went to make a purchase, I also had to consider the trade-off of not saving up for whatever my savings goal was. So it wasn't like, no, you automatically can't, you know, get a margarita. It was more like, do you want a margarita or do you want to save up for your trip? So like my philosophy is it's not no all the time. It's just about making those trade-offs really consciously and with your bigger picture goals in mind. And if you have a visual representation of your bigger picture goals right in front of you, whether it's a house you want to buy, whether it's becoming debt free, whether it's starting a family, if you, if you're, if you're confronted with that goal, every time you dig into your wallet to spend, you're really going to be spending a lot more mindfully and consciously. Yeah, and I'll tell you, I'll confess something to you. <clears throat> so I <laughs> have different bank accounts that I set up for different goals, and I name them accordingly. But as opposed to naming them like, oh, money to buy a house, for instance, I would name it, don't you dare touch this money for your house. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that. <laughs> I mean, sometimes the banks will kind of cut you off on the character, so I'll kind of abbreviate it. <laughs> oh, that's so good. But just a suggestion, guys, if you're thinking of ways to, you know, keep your goals in front of your face so screensavers, putting them on your, you know, post-its on your mirror, printing them out, having a vision board, naming your bank accounts. That's perfect. (laughs) There's so many ways to do it. (laughs) So many ways. Like there are so many ways that you can't possibly have any any excuses as to why your goals are not in front of your face. Yeah, absolutely. So. You have, you know, you got on this journey, you turned your finances around, you know, you got to a place where like you you were never going to be in a dentist chair for the $1,800 bill you can't pay. Thankfully. <laughs> but then, you know, not only did you do that, you started writing and sharing your story and you've now transitioned that experience that you had into a full-time business, right? So yeah. you, you work on Stephanie O'Connell and the brand of educating millennial women on their finances as a full-time thing. I do. I do. So when did you decide that you were going to make this transition and how did you make the transition? So, you know, it, it wasn't a, a huge transition for me, actually, because I was 
already kind of having this piecemeal employment. You know, I was doing like the acting gigs and then supplementing with a million other side hustles. So for me, what's what happened was I started writing as one of my side hustles. So I had started my personal finance blog, kind of chronicling my own journey of financial education. And then I started connecting with other bloggers out there in the finance space. And then I started just reaching out and saying, Hey, do you need any contributors? Are are you hiring? And, you know, I probably emailed a hundred people and maybe two responded. And I started writing like, $20 for a blog post. And to me, it was like so exciting because for me, $20 was basically two hours of babysitting I didn't have to do or, um, you know, waiting tables or all the other gigs I had that I really didn't like as opposed to this, which I really enjoyed. And so I slowly started like replacing my other side hustle income with my new side hustle writing income. But the problem was I... I realized that at $20 a post, I couldn't really scale. Like I would, (laughs) I would have to write, like, I don't even know, 500 articles a month, like a normal amount of money. Um, so I was like, okay, uh, what, what do I need to change? So I, you know, I, I started asking for raises And at first I was like, oh, I'm going to be really bold. I'm going to ask for 10 more dollars, which would be like a 33% or no, like a 50% increase. I was making 20 bucks. So like, that's a lot, but like 30 bucks wasn't going to cut it either. Um, And eventually like I got to the point where I started to contribute to so many blogs. And even though I wasn't making a lot, my name had kind of like gone through the circuit of the personal finance sphere enough that I I was kind of like ubiquitous and that enough people had either read something I had written or heard about something I had written from other people's blogs that were bigger than mine that I was contributing to Mm -hmm. that I was able to start leveraging that exposure to actually write for startups um, in the finance space who would pay like a hundred bucks a post or 200 bucks a post. Um, And then, um, then I leveraged that to start you know, get my book deal, get some media. Um, and now like I, I typically write for a dollar a word, which is more like $500 for a post. So it's like, I, I, it was a long process. Um, you know, long in entrepreneur years is is like four years, but, um, it, it was just like this process of step by step, really thinking consciously about what do I need to do to scale? How can I consciously up level? And how do I make sure I'm not putting myself in a situation where I'm going to totally burn myself out? And even mm-hmm. when I had gone full time as a freelance writer, I was like, wow, like, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to be a writer. Like I love, remember, I loved acting, you know, I want to be in front of people. So then I, that was another pivot point in my business. Like, what do I make sure I'm doing so that um, I'm transitioning my business model to make an income from what I want to do. So then I started speaking, doing video, things like that. But all of those, all those pivot points have challenges and you know, yeah. the challenges never end. <laughs> no, they, I can attest to that. They never end, but, yeah. <laughs> but I just want to say, so, you know, you, when you started this business, it was not with the intent for it to be this full-time thing, but you started it based on a side hustle, based on something that you enjoyed doing. Yeah. And a lot of my audience asks me questions about, you know, hey, Bola, I want to start a side hustle, but I don't know what to do. And I always tell them, think about what people compliment you on and think mm-hmm. about what you like doing, because that in itself can be a business idea. And you just, you just, you know, talked about how that became 
your thing. And Stephanie, you scaled in a big way. So you're being really, really humble on this podcast. <laughs> Listen, Stephanie went from being a $20, <laughs> that's funny, a $20 of blog post writer to you have an entire spread in Success Magazine right now. Yeah. And if you don't know what Success Magazine is, you need to go subscribe because I buy this magazine. It is amazing. I buy it partially because of you, but it's an incredible magazine and it is on every single newsstand in every single bookstore you can get it anywhere and you have a two-page spread in that magazine every <laughs> single month and they definitely don't pay you twenty dollars for it so no. <laughs> ladies if you're, if you're listening <laughs> if you're listening right that is how a simple idea something that you enjoy doing can potentially scale you know, so think about yeah. that for a little bit. And if you're confused about what you should start, go back to what is it that you enjoy doing or what do people compliment you about? And it's going to take work. You know, you're going to have to put in the effort because, you know, being having a two page column and success, a two page article every month, success doesn't just land in your lap. But, no. you know, you're going to put in the effort, but it's going to be worth it. You know, there's a point <laughs> you're making there, though, that is really important is that people tend to overlook the value that they bring, like the, the things that come easily to them are usually the things that are that they can monetize, but they don't realize it because it comes easily to them. So for example, uh, my boyfriend is a carpenter, hmm. and he'll just like, fix a table or build something. And he's like, ah, it's no big deal. But I'm like, that's a crazy valuable skill. And I think there's this tendency to be like, oh, well, nobody would pay for that because it's just so simple. But you have no idea. You have no idea what people will pay for it because there's there's so much that like, it's not just what you're, you're, what you know, it's also like your experience, mm -hmm. maybe where you live. Like, for example, I live in New York city. I know a lot about Broadway. Like I, if I was looking for a side hustle, I could give tours of like Broadway of New York city of times square. Like, and it's not that it's like some crazy special skill I have. It's just by mm -hmm. virtue of the thir last 30 years of my life that I've grown up learning and living in this place. And so we have a tendency to overlook these things. So like I tell people, make a, a list of your knowledge, your skills and experience, and there's going to be something in there that people are willing to pay for. And I agree. Even I am guilty of this. Sometimes I minimize the skills that I have um, because I'm like, what's the big deal? You know, like, so random example, people always ask me, oh, who built your website? I'm like, well, I did it myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one. I'm only a computer science major and I only have a certificate in web development. That's all. <laughs> Well, uh, I want to know the web development drama I went through over New Year. Oh my goodness. I, I paid so much money to have someone fix it for me. Hmm. That could be yeah. a side hustle for me, Stephanie. I, yeah. me <laughs> I can start building websites on the side. Another side hustle. But <laughs> okay. So, so now you've been in business full time. What are some of the challenges you've faced as a full time business owner? Because that comes with its own set of struggles. Yeah, it definitely does. It, and it's so amazing to me that even at the point that my business has made revenue, um, you know, triple what I used to earn in a year, you know, in 20, what year is it now? 2018 and 2016, my business made uh, six figures, but my income wasn't very high because my expenses mm -hmm. were 
outrageous. And I have a tendency to want to spend a lot of money on my business because I think, you know, investments in myself have, have doubled or tripled as opposed to, you know, the, the 10%, 7%, 6% I might get in the market. And so I kind of justify it to myself, but sometimes it puts me in a position of having like struggles with cash flow. Mm-hmm. So even though my revenue will be really high, you know, a lot of my payments are, are large, but that means that I'm only getting them maybe once every two months or once every three months. And sometimes I don't know when they're coming in and then I'm spending like crazy to try to grow my business. And so that's a huge challenge for me is trying to find that balance of how much can I really afford to invest in my business, especially when I don't know when these client payments are going to come in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's great when you're working with numbers like $10,000 or $20,000 for a gig. But if, if you don't get, see that money for six months from the first time you get the offer to do the contract, it's very hard to kind of plan how to shape your business for the year. So that's actually something I'm still in the process of trying to like ground myself and learning how to do and kind of take some of the principles from personal finance Mm -hmm. of like, zero sum budgeting where you take your income from the previous month to plan for the next month. I'm trying to kind of stay grounded in that so that I'm not investing in my business beyond my means. Yeah. I mean, the expenses in business can creep up really easily. <laughs> uh, and I have a tendency you know? to like do things like really nice. Like, you know, I do like these videos and I, of course, like I won't trust myself to edit them. So I'll hire an editor to do it. And then like I'll hire a logo person. I'll hire a web person because I just, I want it to look polished. I like, I feel like that's part of what, what sets my brand apart and it does, but I also have to be mindful. It's like, well, if the money's not there, Stephanie, you got to keep it together. Yeah. So I guess (laughs) prioritizing what expenses matter the most and what, you know, are not, necessary like I I do an expense assessment every month because I got to a point where I was like why do I have all these expenses like I haven't used this tool in two months or I can do you know as opposed to using this tool I can piece together these other two things and do the same thing that way so you know I'm all about being lean and mean when it comes to those expenses (laughs) (laughs) that's good I need to I need to take that lesson to heart the other thing I do is you know because sometimes you work with clients or brands and they'll tell you, oh, we'll pay you next month. But then they don't, they don't pay you for three months, right? Or yeah, four months. That, that's <laughs> the biggest struggle in my business. <laughs> so the way I plan my business budget is that, you know, I, I told myself, okay, there have to be other ways to generate income, which are in place. And I'm just going to budget for my business, including paying myself a salary based on what I know I can control. Mm-hmm. And I know I can control, I can forecast how much I'm going to make from these different, um, areas of income that bring in income, you know, I know I can control this. And for the things I can't control, then I'm going to follow up and get my money. (laughs) (laughs) But until I have that money in the bank, I'm not going to bank on that money, basically. Yeah. Well, that's actually such an important point. You know, one of the things I've done to kind of mitigate this problem, my business has been to diversify my income streams. And it's so, I think this is true, even if you have like a a full-time job is it's just like you don't want to be dependent on one stream of income because then if anything happens, if the payment doesn't come in, if the client lays you off, whatever, you know, where are you? You don't want to be stuck in that position of, oh my goodness. Um, and so like, like you said, even just for planning purposes, if you focus on the income streams you can control as a baseline, then you're in a much 
more secure and competent position to plan your finances and then everything else is gravy. So that's so that's a good one. Exactly. Yeah. So diversify your income and in your personal finances, it's possible to, it's all about where you put your money to work for you, right? You can put some of your money in a savings account for emergencies. You can put some of it towards retirement investing. You can put some of it towards non-retirement investing. You can put some of it towards a side hustle. These are all paths that are going to help generate you um, income over time and diversify your income stream. So when you're thinking about planning out your personal finances or planning out your business, think about ways that you can diversify your income. Great point. <laughs> Love it. So we've talked about the challenges. What have been some of your major successes? So I talk about the Success Magazine. You have an amazing <laughs> book, which we're going to talk about in a second. But you have some other really awesome successes. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think the thing that's most exciting is I, I get to do a lot of national media and a lot of national television. And it's it's fun because, one, like I get to talk about my mission of, you know, educating people about finance on a huge platform that reaches millions of people. And that's really, really exciting for me. Um, but the other thing is, it's kind of like marrying my two passions, marrying my passion for personal finance with my passion for performance and uh, being on being on quote unquote a stage, which is like national television. So I've gotten to do, you know, Dr. Oz, Fox and Friends. I'm going into CBS tomorrow. Um, yeah, I don't know if that's live, though, because they're like, can you come at 930? And I'm pretty sure the show ends at 10 and I got to do hair and makeup. So TBD on what's happening with that. Um, but yeah, it's fun. Like it's just, for me, those are, I think are the biggest wins. And, and if I could dream about where I would like to go in the future, I think it's in that direction, you know, because for me, it's like, it's one thing to just, you know, write on my posts and be on social media and all that. I love that, but engaging with people in person and and meeting them face to face or, you know, live, even if it's through television, it just creates a different kind of dialogue and a, and a different kind of connection that it is. It reminds me of that live theater experience where you really are transformed. And that's, you know, I want, that's what I want for people. I want them to be transformed into, you know, positive, confident, money, positive people. So, you know, that, that's for me the biggest win. And you definitely do a great job at it. I think my first encounter with your brand before I had even met you in person was with a video you had done. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. You had done like a street interview and you were asking people questions. Yeah, yeah. I just I love that. I love seeing the look on people's faces when you faces when you ask them the, um, you know, the question about money that they didn't think was okay to talk about out loud. <laughs> right, right. I love it. It's so fun. It's just giving people the permission to, you know, talk about these things freely and, and know that when they see other people's responses, that everyone is kind of feeling the same way. They're totally yeah. not alone. <laughs> and since Stephanie is being a little bit humble, I'm going to add <laughs> some of her accomplishments. Oh my goodness. <laughs> she has been in the Wall Street Journal in Forbes, in the New York Times, on money.com. Can you tell them I'm on your website? Um, <laughs> I, like, I need to update that. I like how you just slipped in, oh, the Dr. Oz show, the Dr. Oz show. It's a huge deal. Yeah, this is all... I'm trying to remember. It's like, it's a little bit blurry, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. This is so amazing. You have some huge accomplishments and you should be really proud, you know? Um, so you wrote a book, you know, the broken, beautiful life. What Mm -hmm. made you write this book? So the book is really about 
kind of what I was talking about earlier, this idea of, okay, I'm in New York City, I'm a millennial, I like I, I was such a stereotypical millennial, like huge dreams, no budget. <laughs> and how do I kind of find that middle ground? Like, how do I make it work? And how do I do the things I want to do and live passionately and fully, uh, but still within my means? And my book was kind of like this roadmap, not only um, of my own journey, but also full of tips and tricks for people who are trying to navigate that journey and, and, and answer those questions for themselves. And it's a really great starting point for people who kind of feel trapped in that space of big dreams and small budget. That's awesome. So I, I'm going to put the link to your book in the show notes and I encourage you guys all to check it out. It's an awesome book because it's from the awesome Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> but before I let you go, I want to know what is your clever girl superpower? Ooh, clever girl superpower is I am fiercely persistent. I I think being a an actress in in my early adulthood really taught me a valuable lesson, which is it takes a hundred no's to get to the one yes. Mm -hmm. And so I am not deterred by rejection. I have been rejected so many times and all of the wins that you've mentioned today are only a result of putting myself out there and asking to be seen and heard again and again and again. And it's not that it just happened the first time I tried. I just keep going until I get the response I want. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that persistence and that willingness to, to, you know, be, have the failure and have the rejection um, is what allows me to get to yes and allows me to have the huge wins that I've been able to enjoy. That's a great superpower. And it's, it's great that you said that because a lot of people will kind of get the first no and be like, okay, it's not meant to be. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, when you're an actor, like you, it literally doesn't work that way. Like you go to five auditions a day, and then you probably go to like, you go like through like two months before you get a job. So like five times 30, you know, you get, it's just part of the process and you don't take it personally. It's just part, like it, you have to do it to find the right job. And so I kind of think of all the things I do in my life that way. And it really reframes the conversation around how do I get to my goal um, through that lens. And it, you know, it, it makes the rejections not so harsh. <laughs> yeah. Once you're used to rejection, then you're less down about it. You don't waste your time moping and and, you know, lamenting about, oh, my God, why me? Why me? Right, you're right. Just like, okay, on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, there are some that are harder than others, you know, when you get to like <laughs> the last round of something and then you don't get it and you, there's some wine to be drunk. But <laughs> most of the time, I'm pretty, pretty solid. I'm like, all right, what's next? <laughs> so, Stephanie, this has been so awesome. I appreciate you taking the time out to come and share your amazingness with my audience. And I'd love for you to share how folks can keep up with you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am over at stephanieoconnell.com. Um, and that's Stephanie with an F, not a PH. Uh, and then also I'm on YouTube. So youtube.com slash Stephanie O'Connell. And you can see some of the videos Bolo is talking about where I interview people on the street about money and a lot of other money tips and fun stuff like that. And I'll put the links to everything in the show notes so you guys can go check out her YouTube channel. You're on Instagram too and stop yes. by her website. And of course, check out her book. So thank you so much for being here, Stephanie. Thanks again. Such a pleasure.
So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Stephanie. I had such a great time recording it. And if you did, please don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and also over on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. And please, please leave a review for the podcast so other people can find it. You can leave a review over on iTunes. And my goal is to get as many women listening to the podcast as possible. So please share it with your friends. And I'll be back again soon with a brand new episode. Thank you guys so much for listening.